What's going on, everybody? Jared Barnes here back with another episode of the Jared Barnes Show. Today is June 9th, 2021. This episode is a day late because last night I recorded a 40 to, I don't know, 50-minute episode. Who knows what the time was? I have no idea what happened to my audio, but it completely crapped out on me. And I go to edit the video and edit the audio, and I don't do a lot of editing. I just kind of touch it up. And then throw it out there and go to play the video, no sound. Go to play the audio, no sound. So I recorded a 50-minute episode with absolutely zero sound. And to be honest, was it my best work? No, but it was it was it frustrating? Yeah. I'm glad it didn't get put out there because I didn't feel like it was my best work. But here we are. We're back. And I'm going to talk about a lot of the same topics that I talked about last night, including some other ones that I decided to add in strictly because that they changed. But mainly because I hadn't had an episode in a week, I want to fit these topics in. Either way, it's because it's it's my podcast. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. So I appreciate you guys following along and sticking with it. Even though I pretty much don't know how to use technology. We figured that one out so far. <laughs> uh, if you're new here to the podcast, I just want to say I appreciate you checking this out. appreciate you listening. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I just want to say I really appreciate you as well. It means a lot. If you wouldn't mind subscribing or following the podcast, that would be awesome. Share it with a friend. You don't have to, but if you like it, share it with somebody that you think might like it. Help me grow this thing naturally. Absolutely appreciate every single one of you that listen, every one of you that follow along. It means the world to me. And I just want to kind of get into the topics today. I'm excited for it. So first thing, over the weekend, it was a big weekend in sports. We're on Wednesday already, so the weekend's kind of passed. The next weekend's closer than the last weekend that's just previously passed. But some of the biggest news of that weekend, Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans. And that is amazingly large news. I mean, Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans, and the t- Titans sent two picks to the Falcons, a 2022 second-rounder, and a 2023 third rounder. Now, are the Titans now legit contenders? That is the question at hand here. And to be honest, I don't know necessarily know the answer to that. What I do know is that they now have a great receiving core in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I like the risk, the small risk that they gave up to get Julio Jones here. They gave up a second rounder and a third round and, and a 2023 third rounder. Two separate drafts, really not a lot to lose for them at all. Not a lot at all. So it's a it was a win-win situation for the Tennessee Titans with this trade. Uh Julio Jones said he wanted to go play with a quarterback that had a strong arm and could throw the ball downfield. And, and a, on a consistent basis because he wanted to run under the thing. Ryan Tannehill can do that. That fits that style of offense where they can go into play action and chuck that thing downfield because they do have one of the best pure runners in the backfield in Derrick Henry. They lost a couple weapons this year, though, in the offseason. They lost Corey Davis, who was finally coming along as, and looking like a, a legit number two wide receiver. Now he's in New York. He's their number one. And maybe a bit overpaid for him, but hey, I think he's worth every dime because he's a good receiver, former first round pick, former top five pick as well. They also lost Johnny Smith, tight end, versatile tight end, could play H back, lineup wide receiver, could play tight end, can block, can catch, very good tight end. 
good hands, good blocking ability, and they lost him as well. But you add in Julio, now you have A.J. Brown and Julio, along with Derrick Henry in the backfield, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill as your quarterback. You know, I don't think you can be too upset at this point if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. Does it make your team legit? I don't know. That defense is still questionable. They didn't, in my mind, they haven't made significant improvements. They brought in some more talented players. Caleb Farley through the draft, the Virginia Tech corner. He's a stud. Bud Dupree also a stud. Bud Dupree, a lot of people saying Bud Dupree is iffy. He played across TJ. It helped him a lot. Yeah, he played with very good players in Pittsburgh. But Bud Dupree is a very talented pass rusher. He's going to do well in Tennessee. Is he going to put up double-digit numbers? I'm not willing to say that. But is he going to be much better than any pass rusher they had on their roster last year? 100% sure on that one. Caleb Farley, yeah, he's a corner, but he's going to make an impact. He is a he's a man. He he can be a man-to-man guy, zone guy, doesn't matter. He'll shut an entire side of the field down, though, just from the tape that I saw. Yeah, he didn't play last year due to I think he, I'm pretty sure he opted out because of COVID, which you know. Certain teams have already pretty much shown that they don't respect any of the guys that opted out for COVID reasoning. And, you know, that the NFL said that wouldn't happen, but this is a people person thing. Like, you know, it's people are still kind of in charge and whatever they view as their opinion is their opinion. If they have a problem with that, so be it. Uh, Tennessee clearly does not. Caleb Farley is a talented player. You can't pass on a guy like that, and I hope it works out for them. But defensively, I, I still think there's too many question marks to say this team is a legit contender, although that now they do have an insanely good wide receiver core, but they are not the best. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that because Julio was not healthy last year. Who knows if Julio can maintain to be healthy all of this year. A.J. Brown is a very good receiver, but sometimes, you know, I, I thought he was a little underrated, and then the more and more this offseason has gone on, the more and more praise he has been getting, and especially now that he has Julio, people are acting like he's a top-five guy. But in my opinion, he's not better than Justin Jefferson currently is right now. And when you talk about the best receiving course in football, one of the ones that come to my mind is Minnesota. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. Very good receiving core. You also think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rob Gronkowski at tight end. Mike Evans out wide. Chris Godwin. Scotty Miller. Antonio Brown. O.J. Howard. The list goes on. Cameron Brait. Good receiving core. Tight ends, wide receivers included. Look at the Buffalo Bills. They have a great receiving core as well. Stephon Diggs. A proven, maybe one of the better, maybe a top three receiver in the league. Currently, right now. And Cole Beasley. Maybe the best slot receiver in the entire league. Then you look at the Cowboys. They have C.D. Lamb. They have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup, a, a solid receiving core in Dallas. So I, I, I honestly, just to prove my point here, I don't think you could say that Tennessee right now, they have the top receiving core. I get the people that are saying it or just, you know, riding on the hype of that trade. I understand it completely. And I think that it is a top receiving core. It could end up being top three, top five. Who knows? But I, I personally think it goes Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Buffalo, maybe Tennessee, Cowboys. Then you then you think about Seattle as well with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I think it's very hard because to to say like rank the receiving core. 
in the NFL, obviously, because I clearly haven't thought it over as much as I thought I have. And I wasn't going to give a, a legit ranking. Maybe I'll do I'll do that in my next episode. I will rank the my top five wide receiver core for my next episode. But in this one, I'm just kind of running down through the list. You think of the Seattle DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You think of Arizona as well now with A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins and, wow, Christian Kirk. I mean, what a receiving core that is. Washington as well, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. The Panthers with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, very underrated. Then, you know, you have some other teams with like the Steelers with Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. And there is there are some legit receiving cores out there. Let's be honest. There's a lot of good wide receivers currently in the NFL. It's a good time. I mean, it's, it's a good time to be a receiver if you're a kid in college or high school because, you know, teams need to stack weapons upon weapons right now to compete. And the teams that are – the teams that are good and the teams that are playing in the Super Bowl have done that. Tennessee Titans made a great move going to get Julio just to add depth and to add another star on the outside. I absolutely love the move. Huge fan of the fact that he's also wearing number two now. I love that 100%. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I thought he was going to wear eight. That's his old call, his number. I knew he wasn't going to get 11 because I felt like he wasn't going to take that away from A.J. Brown because – I think he has enough respect for A.J. Brown to be like, hey, you were here first. This is your number. You can keep it. A.J. Brown tweeted out that he's going to wear number 11 for the rest of his life, which I think, hey, that's awesome. And I think the way that Julio picked two, one plus one equals two, he wore 11. That could be it. Maybe he just picked two because he liked the look of two. I think he's going to look awesome in a single-digit number. I think it's going to be weird, though, because I'm so used to seeing Julio in Atlanta Falcons jersey. But, like, the way the world works now, you see somebody in different jersey. You get over it in about a week. I mean, I I thought immediately upon seeing Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay jersey that it looked weird. But by, week, by the time week one rolled around, I thought it was normal. Like, it just was okay with me. And that's just kind of how we work because there's so the t- players switch teams so often now, whether that be the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, and so on and so forth. Now, moving on from the Julio Jones trick. I haven't talked about it once. I've only had one episode since I've really made my comeback, per se. And one of the biggest stories of the NFL offseason so far has been Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is officially holding out as he did not uh, show up today. Well, as I'm recording it, he it is the eighth. So he did not show up today, uh, the first day of mandatory minicamp. Not a shocking thing at all. Nobody really expected him to show up anyways. Uh, a couple of his teammates, David Bakhtiari, left tackle, and Devontae Adams have come out and said that they are fully supporting Rodgers in whatever decision he wants to make. And Devontae Adams even specifically said he feels like the front office should want players to support other players, uh, maybe hinting at that there is maybe some tension between the front office and the players right now in Green Bay. I think the situation is an interesting one because it's been brewing for five years, honestly. Maybe the entire time that Aaron has been in Green Bay, it's been brewing. Uh, him and Mike McCarthy got along for a little bit, but towards the end there, they 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 did not the last couple of years that he was there, possibly. And it, it maybe led to some of their lack of success, per se. And because of the lack of success, Mike McCarthy ultimately got fired. But instead of including Aaron Rodgers... In the hiring of Matt LaFleur, the Packers did not do so. 
The Packers also have alienated Rodgers in multiple ways ever since. They have cut a wide receiver that he was a big fan of, that he thought was going to be a target of his when the season rolled around. And he talked about him and praised him in the preseason and said, I really like this guy. This is a guy I can really depend on in Jake Kumara. And then they cut him the next day. Jordy Nelson, another guy, one of his mainstay wide receivers for his entire career. He wanted to come back. He said he would play for nothing. Just to be in Green Bay, his like his final, give it one last run with Aaron. That's what he wanted to do. And the Packers pretty much told him no, and he hit the roads. And then he went on to play for the team that I have a hat on right now for the now Las Vegas Raiders, but at the time Oakland Raiders. He pretty much stole money from them because he was injured and stuff like that, but that's okay. Love you, Jordy. You're an awesome player. But just those two things there that alienated him, on top of the fact that they fired a quarterback coach that he got along with very well, unexpectedly, uh, they some people say they refuse to spend money on free agency. They they have failed, in my opinion, at drafting wide receivers and bringing in offensive talent. Yeah, they've hit on a couple gems like Aaron Jones in the fifth round. They hit on Devontae Adams. They hit on Alan Lazard, uh, undrafted free agent. MVS has been hit or miss, but they failed on wide receivers, in my opinion. They've drafted quite a few, never a first-rounder. They've had a chance. Instead, everybody knows the story, Jordan Love. They trade up to get Jordan Love in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, I was watching the Pat McAfee show draft special that evening. I saw Aaron Rodgers talk about how it would be so exciting to get a weapon. Uh, I believe there was wide receivers there that were available, and they were they just passed on them, you know, and took traded up and took – a quarterback that at the time people were like might not play for four years. I mean, you look at you look at the situation at the time. Uh, the media was saying how washed Aaron was. The organization clearly thought that Aaron Rodgers had lost a step. But you look at the situation that was the season prior to the drafting of Jordan Love. Uh, Devontae Adams was injured with turf toe for the majority of the year. I remember that clearly because um, he was on my one of my fantasy teams, and he. Did not help me out. Normally a fantasy, you know, a fantasy must have is Devontae Adams. But that season alone, he did not do very well because he was injured for most of the year and not healthy because turf toes tough to recover from. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers' best receiver that whole entire year was virtually undrafted wide receiver Alan Lazard. And he only had like 500 yards and MBS and uh, St. Brown. I can't say his first name. Equanimous St. Brown. I'm going to try to say that. His name, I honestly didn't write his name down in my notes, but it came to me. And you look at that, the way that season went. Yeah, they struggled, but that's also because they didn't really have a true number one wide receiver. Aaron did not have a great receiving core to deal, work with and deal with at that time. Um, but they still went 13-3 and went to the NFC Championship game. The defense ended up, inevitably ended up being Swiss cheese and gave up 186 yards before contact versus the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship that year. So maybe drafting defensive help in that first round would have been great for them as well. And you could just see – I put myself – I've envisioned myself in Aaron's shoes in this situation. And I feel like a lot of other people need to do the same thing and think about how you would react if these things happen to you. How would you feel if your workplace – Hired your successor. 
when you still feel like you're just as good, if not better than you've ever been in your career, if you feel like you're still playing at a top level and they hired somebody to replace you when you were still, when you were still performing at a high level at your job, I wouldn't feel too great, honestly. And that's why I can see why Aaron did the things he did. He came out one MVP. He played like a stud and now he is heading into his, uh, not the final year of his contract, but the final year of guaranteed money, which in the NFL, I mean, that's per- virtually the end of a contract when guaranteed money is up. And I do believe that Aaron Rodgers wants to be in Green Bay for the rest of his career. I think the situation is still mendable, but the Packers organization and Brian Gutekunst, the GM, they have a lot of work to do, and they got to figure it out. And first thing they have to do, is decide whether they want to fine Aaron for not attending mandatory minicamp because Aaron Rodgers can lose about, I believe, $93,000 for not attending. If I were the Packers organization, I would not fine him that. I think it would only make the situation worse because if he has to sit down and write a check to the organization that has alienated him in his mind for the last five years, that's not going to help the situation whatsoever. So if I was Brian Gutekunst, if I was the GM, I would make it clear that we're not going to find Aaron Rodgers. And I feel like the players would also get it as well. It's a business side. Any other player, if they didn't show up, would get fined. But Aaron Rodgers, with the with the entire situation being what it is currently, I feel like the best option for the Packers would be to not find him and to try to get this thing resolved Because at some point, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to speak about it because he is going to be participating in the match three where he plays alongside Bryson DeChambeau versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady on July 6th, which is coming up in, wow, about a month. So I think that's the deadline for that situation to be fixed or the deadline for him to be traded. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited to follow it because I love Aaron Rodgers to death and I'm team 12, whatever, whatever Aaron says I'm going to go with because I, I I'm on his side in this entire situation. Moving on from that though, I want to talk about the big event of the weekend or well, one of them, if one of them, at least Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. Many would call it the biggest scam of a lifetime. I am 100% glad that I did not pay for the fight. I watched it via a stream on someone else's device. I do believe they might have actually paid for it. Maybe they didn't. I just want to let it be known to the hackers. I did not watch on any, any legal stream, so you can't be yelling at me. But I knew myself that I was never going to buy the fight anyways. I didn't want to, you know, support what they were doing because I knew it was just going to be a cash grab. When the rules came out, you know, I thought about putting money down on Logan Paul because it felt like the rules were favoring him because I just knew Floyd was going to play a defensive match. I knew Floyd was a true boxer, though, and because of that, I didn't want to I didn't end up putting money down on anybody um, because I knew there wouldn't be a defined winner and betting on the winner would have been dumb anyways because there wasn't going to be one unless there was a knockout. 
but they still wouldn't have crowned anybody a winner uh, because both of them won inevitably with the money that they stole from everybody else. Uh, it was cool seeing Ocho on the undercard. Uh, he he get, he put up a good fight. He was entertaining. Uh, he bounced up very quickly in the fourth round when he got knocked down. Uh, so shout out to Ocho for grabbing a quick mill, like he said on his Twitter. That was an awesome tweet that he sent out. He said, I'm getting McDonald's the next day, which he did. And Ocho versus Science is something that's always been fun to watch. But back to Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. You know, Logan's not a real boxer, but, you know, he he has potential. Uh, it never made sense to me that he went from only having two fights in his career versus another YouTuber, KSI, who's awesome as well. I love I like the Paul brothers, and I like KSI. But it never made sense that he fought KSI twice, lost, and then somehow landed a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Never made sense. Jake Paul, in my mind, is a legit boxer. So it would have made sense to me if Jake Paul would have fought Floyd. But that's not what happened. And I feel like at this point, we just have to kind of accept that Jake Paul and Logan Paul are going to be, you know, some of the new faces we see in boxing. Because I don't feel like that. I feel like they're both here to stay, especially Jake. Jake has a little bit of a, a little bit of a nut job inside of them. Um, I listened to the BFFs podcast with Dave Portnoy, Josh Richards, and uh, Brianna Chicken Fry. And on there, they interviewed Logan Paul. And I, I listened to that interview the day before. And I guess they were interviewing Jake and Austin McBroom, who's going to be fighting Bryce Hall this upcoming weekend in the YouTubers versus TikTokers fight. And they talked about how Logan was having issues with Austin McBroom. And he went out and then slashed his tires before he left. And Dave mentioned how he thought that Jake was just a guy that would turn it on for the cameras and was just like that for the cameras when the cameras around because he's a content guy. But there were no cameras recording him when he slashed Austin McBroom's tires, which kind of proves the fact that he just has a different side of him that is a bit of a psycho. That is a bit of like a like a he's got anger problems, like maybe possibly. And that's part of what like makes me think he's a legit boxer because like he is training hard. Like he's training very, very hard. He's focusing on it heavily. He's actually trying to fight like legit fighters, people that he can match up with. And I believe this was all part of a WWE style kind of story storyline where Floyd fights Logan. Now Jake's gonna go fight the guy he's fighting, and I honestly can't even remember who it is. I just think that Jake's gonna knock him out. It's going to set up for a beef. I think him and Jake already have beef, Jake and Floyd. And I think this is a three to four fight, you know, gimmick thing with Jake where he inevitably ends up fighting Floyd Mayweather himself to be an even bigger pay-per-view and maybe one that will actually count against Floyd's record. Maybe not, though, because maybe Floyd would be a little nervous that he would get knocked out by Jake because Jake is more of a legit fighter than Logan. But I'm excited to see where this one goes. Let's just be honest, the Paw Brothers own the internet. They're going to keep doing this for a very, very long time. And it's going to be interesting to see what level they take it to and how far they can run with this boxing thing before it inevitably falls apart and they move on to something else because they have just survived and survived for years from Vine to now TikTok and YouTube They and now boxing. They've just done very, very well. Moving on from that, though, let's talk a little basketball. Let's get back into more sports sports, you know. 
though i was just went into a different type of world that i'm also involved in like I, I'm, I'm deep into the youtube and the tiktok and the other stuff like that i find i find that stuff very very interesting although i do kind of hate social media now but i still love stuff like that i love sports still i'm still i still follow basketball i still follow football and everything like that but social media has not been my thing as of late just kind of haven't enjoyed it as much but the nba they their social media team um, the way they do social media with the NBA is awesome. I just love it how they throw out the clips. Like the way people take in the NBA, I feel like is much different than any other sport. They want they just watch it via clips virtually on Twitter and stuff like that, which is much different than the NFL, where you sit down and watch an entire game. I don't feel like a lot of people do that, especially even people that talk about the sport. It's interesting. But the NBA named their MVP as of yesterday. Nikolai Jokic has been named MVP. So far, he's come so far in his short career already. Drafted in 2014, they showed a quesarito from Taco Bell instead of showing Nikolai Jokic, Jokic when he was drafted. And people were talking about that on Twitter yesterday. And that was just an awesome conversation to just watch and just see that a second rounder that was pick 41, that's, you know, that's not a guy that was supposed to ever really be the MVP. Nobody that's ever drafted in the second round of the NBA is meant to be an all-star, meant to be someone that plays at the level Jokic plays at. But he's just he's just that good, you know? Jokic is the man. Jokic and the Nuggets have a tough, little bit of a tough road versus the Phoenix Suns. And I'll be honest, I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in them to get out of this series. Can the MVP have enough left? in the tank to power through and make it to the Western conference finals. And I personally just don't believe he does. I think their, their guard play, the Nuggets guard play is not going to be enough to handle the guard play of CP three and Devin Booker. I think right there is too big of a mismatch for them to overcome. And I think Jokic and the Nuggets will end up virtually falling to the Suns. Moving on from Jokic talk. I want to talk about the coach of the year, the NBA Coach of the Year, Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau was named Coach of the Year, and he's only been in Newark for one season. Has completely shifted basketball culture for the Knicks. A team that I didn't think was going to make the playoffs at all. At all. Not once did I think, oh, the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs, let alone a four-seed. I knew the East was going to be a bit wide open this year. It was going to be interesting. I viewed the Knicks as out of the conversation when the season started. And they made some plays. They made some moves. Julius Randle became an all-star. They traded for Derrick Rose. Emmanuel quickly came along. R.J. Barrett starting to come along as well. The Knicks have a young team, a fun team, and an awesome coach in Tom Thibodeau. Like I said, in one season, he turned the Knicks around. Now, I'm interested to see this offseason if he, the organization, and the players on the team can make the right moves, do the right things in the offseason to possibly become a major force to be reckoned with here in the future in the East. I personally feel like the Bucks' championship window is slowly dwindling. Now, in the NBA, the championship window could close and open in the same season. It's much different than the NFL. But 
you know, when you when you just look at the way things the way things function and the way things go, I mean, at some point, I mean, everybody's bought into the not to the Bucks all the time, but it feels like their window's closing. I like the possibility of Knicks, you know, being good. I feel like the world is a better place when the New York Knicks are good at basketball. And this could also just stem from the fact that the first real packed house stadium that I've seen since COVID has pretty much started on TV was Madison Square Garden. And just seeing that atmosphere was awesome. Seeing Madison Square Garden packed out in a playoff game, seeing Derrick Rose in a playoff game that matters, awesome. It was awesome. And it just makes me believe that the world is a better place when the Knicks are good at basketball. So I hope the Knicks can make the right moves this offseason because I want to see them get better in the East and I want to see them compete for a championship or at least an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. That would be awesome. Speaking of New York basketball, let's move on to the Nets. The Nets, uh, they played the they played the Bucks. Last night, well, two nights ago, uh, game three will be tonight. Um, in game two, the the Nets thrashed the Bucks, one twenty five to eighty six. In game one, they also whooped the Bucks butts. Makes me wonder if this series is even going to be. I thought this series was going to be fun to watch. Turns out, I think that might be wrong. <sighs> The Bucks are just not the team that I thought they were going to be. And they're not the team anybody else thought they were going to be either. We all buy into the Bucks. They always disappoint us. Never fails. And I'll be honest. I don't know if there's anybody that's going to be able to stop the Nets, at least in the East. I think the Nets are walking themselves to the NBA Finals right now. And I won't be mad at all if the Nets inevitably win the championship. I don't love Harden, I don't love Kyrie, and I don't love KD. I like Joe Harris. But it's clear to me that the organization, the team, and everybody around that organization has virtually given everything and more to try to make a championship run in a a finals win happen this year for the organization. I mean, they've brought in literally everybody. They didn't have Harden to start the season. They traded for Harden. They brought in brought in Blake Griffin. They signed LaMarcus Aldridge before he got, you know, realized he had a heart problem and had to retire. They were trying to bring in everybody left and right to win a championship. And that's the NBA. That's the way it works. You just kind of have to respect it. And I think that a team that that willing to go all in for one year, I mean, if they win it, I'm not going to be mad because they tried the hardest to clearly front office wise win games. So how can I be mad at them? A lot of people hate Kyrie and KD, though. I'm starting to find that out more and more. It's always it's always hilarious. But I just – I'm not going to be mad if the Nets win at all because, again, I have no rooting interest. My team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, not in the playoffs, will not be in the playoffs for years to come. Uh, our future is virtually riding on a seventh grader right now. So it's going to be a long, long couple years for to be a Thunder fan like myself. 
moving on though. Last week, the uh, the Lakers and LeBron they were eliminated from the playoffs one year after winning the NBA Finals. It's like the fourth or fifth time, maybe the sixth time since like the 1980s that a team that won the Finals was eliminated in the first round. This is LeBron's first first round exit since entering the league. Every year he's made the playoffs, he's never had a first round exit. This is the first year. It makes sense though when you when you add all the pieces in together. This was the shortest offseason LeBron and the Lakers have ever faced or any team really in general in the NBA. It was like 90 days of an offseason. Not a lot of time to rest and figure out your body in that little time span. They ended the season, I believe, in October. We're back to playing ball around Christmas. Yeah, injuries were high in the NBA this year. Numbers were starting to be released. Nineteen, Including 19% of All-Stars missed significant time. Or or All-Stars missed 19% of the games. I cannot. I read that headline when I was watching the College World Series when I went to go get something to eat with my cousin at Fox's Tavern. If you're ever in the uh, Uniontown, Connellsville area, stop by Fox's Tavern and get wings. They got the best wings. Uh, no free shout outs, but they are awesome food. But I saw that headline right at the bottom of the screen that caught my eye. And it made me think of LeBron and the Lakers because, and even the Miami Heat, because those two teams right there had the longest season. As of la- of last year, they, you know, had the shortest off season. Some of the teams had, you know, they stopped playing in March and didn't start again until December. I mean, some of these guys were very, very well rested. And then LeBron had ninety days. The Lakers had ninety days. They formed a completely different roster. They lost Rajon Rondo. They lost Dwight Howard. They lost a couple other key players. They brought in other guys. They brought in Dennis Schroeder, who I thought was going to be better. Turns out Magic Johnson doesn't believe that he is a he's Laker material. I don't believe he is either, personally. I don't think the Lakers should bring him back, but they offered him $90 million, and he turned it down. I don't. Lo- I didn't love the Marcus off it. Uh, I, there was a couple other moves. I, I don't like Marquise Morris. I think Marcus is better. And I mean, it's his brother, but like Marcus, I think Marcus is a better player than Markeith. And that's just my personal opinion. Maybe because I liked Marcus when he was at the Celtics, and that could be literally the only reasoning why. But the short offseason clearly affected the Lakers. It clearly affected LeBron. It clearly affected AD. They weren't able to rest properly. They've had, they're probably mentally exhausted. They're mentally worn. I mean, Pat Riley has mentioned that the Miami Heat. He suggests everybody to not do anything because they are mentally just down. Like, they're tired. They're exhausted. They're just ready to be done. And I completely understand it. When you go from playing basketball at the highest possible level you can play for months at a time and then only get a short amount of time off to rest your body and have to come back and start playing again, for six months. That's a long stretch. I can understand if your body's exhausted, especially if you're a guy that's, you know, older than a player considered in their prime, but still a very 
very high caliber player in the league. Your body needs more rest than, you know, some of these younger guys. And that short offseason affected them. I do believe the Lakers need to sit down, reevaluate just about everything. But in my mind, LeBron may no longer be a top five player in the NBA. Maybe they need another all-star. Who knows? They're going to have to figure that all out. They're, they're going to have to figure that out in the reevaluation. I would love to see Dame in L.A., but I think Dame would fit better in Dallas along with Luka. I think that would be an awesome pairing, but I would love to see him with LeBron. I think they have to add somebody big, though. It doesn't have to necessarily be an all-star all-star. It just has to be an extremely good, solid player who is like, you know, can average 17 to 22 points. I think a guy like that, getting a guy like that, I mean, even a even a guy like Lou Williams would be great, you know? I don't know who they're going to get. I don't know what they're going to do. I do know that LeBron may not be a top five player anymore. But that doesn't matter. If they can, if he can rest up, if he can get healthy, if AD can get healthy and he can rest up, I think the Lakers will be fine. The West is very deep. But in my mind, they're not dead. And I believe they will be right back in title contention next season. Moving on to the other L.A. basketball team that is still in the playoffs, the L.A. Clippers. They beat the Mavs for a second year in a row in a game seven. And now they're taking on the Utah Jazz. I believe as I record this, let me go check the score to let you know what point we're at in the game, if this is actually true. But they're taking on the Utah Jazz. Oh, they are. And they are in control of the game with a score of 60 to 49 as it's very early in the second half. So we'll we'll let that one be. But I really like Kawhi. I love Kawhi. But I tell you what, they're a very good team. They go to game seven versus Dallas, who virtually were being single-handedly carried by a top five player in this team in this league, Luka Doncic. And Luka's awesome. Luka's amazing. But they're now facing a team in the Utah Jazz who are extremely talented, deep, very good defensively, and have a legit superstar on their squad as well. In Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is no joke. He's a superstar. He's arrived in this league. Donovan Mitchell is not going to be, you know, an easy guy for them to stop. Yeah, they might have him tonight. This is going to be a seven-game series, in my opinion. And the better team in this series is the Utah Jazz. Will they win? I don't know. I'm not going to say that for sure. I believe they're the better team. I believe they should win. I would love to see... Utah in the championship because I do think of every team that could possibly beat the the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs, in the finals, it would be the Clippers or the Jazz. But I lean more towards the Clippers for some reason. I like I like their team a lot. Kawhi can do it. But 
I, w- I would like to see the Jazz. I really like the Jazz quite a bit. And I believe the I believe the Clippers can go on a championship run. I believe the Jazz can as well. It's going to be interesting to see which one of those two teams make it out of the series. This was not going to be my original take according to the notes, but just from seeing that score, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit. And now it's close, 62-57. I mean, my take's still going to be the same. I think this could be a seven-game series or the Jazz can win it in five. Uh, but I don't think Kawhi would let that happen. I'm excited to f- watch and follow it, though. That's for sure. We're going to another game that happened yesterday, actually, the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Atlanta Hawks. The series is now tied 1-1. Joel Embiid started and played. I didn't get to watch the game, I'll be honest. I followed it a little bit uh, when I was eating wings at uh, Fox's Tavern with my cousin John, who's been on the podcast before. Uh, we were watching the College World Series a little bit. Uh, I've watched Oklahoma more than anybody um, and I really wanted Oklahoma, I really want Oklahoma to win it all, but Florida State just feels like a team of destiny in that college, women's college World Series, which is always so entertaining. I want to go to one of those games one day. Probably not. It's not going to be this year, but that is a goal of mine is to make it to the the women's college World Series because that just looks like such a fun time. Because those games are quick. Softball is more entertaining than baseball. Um, Every single time, I'd rather watch base. Watching baseball is like watching paint dry. It's much faster pace. It feels like in the softball games. I wish there was like a legit professional league because I'd go to them. Because I think softball is awesome. But the 76ers and the and the Hawks, their series is not tied at one one. And my big my big take from this is I don't want the 76ers to force Joel Embiid to go out there and play and risk injury to him. Because with the, the minor meniscus tear that he has, I mean, we could be talking about a very serious injury with the, just one little wrong move. And I don't want to see that happen for the 76ers because I feel like they, they are a team that – they're title contenders. But if they're struggling with the Heat without Joel Embiid and they have to play him to beat the Hawks, this is not going to be their year because they're not going to make it past the Nets. Let's not risk the future of the organization – just to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want to see Joel Embiid getting hurt and then missing an entire year, and then possibly, who knows what will happen after that. I don't want to see that. So I hope that you know Joel Embiid stays healthy. I hope that this is a great series. Um, I, it doesn't matter who's going to win. Nobody's beating the Nets in the East anyways. They're going to the Finals. Let's just be real. They're probably going to win it all. If we're being honest, but I'm, I'm not that excited for this 76ers Hawks series. They're not going to lie to you. I'm not going to like force myself to talk about something that I don't necessarily care about. So I'm going to move on to my next subject and my last subject for the day. This was a busy episode, a lot going on. An entire week ago, actually. Johnny Manziel was on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast and a crossover episode of Ball Don't Lie, a podcast that he hosts with Mike. Uh, Mike's a, Mike's an interesting cat. I, uh, he's, he's, his at is just Mike on Instagram. He has his own podcast called You Never Know Podcast. He has the Ball Don't Lie podcast. He does music. I love Mike. 
I like their I like the content he puts out. And his his podcast, Ball on Live with Johnny Manziel, is an interesting podcast because I thought it was going to be Johnny Manziel talking about his experiences in sports and stuff like that. And it was not. It was like a life talk podcast. It's been very interesting for me to listen to. I very much enjoyed it. But they had a crossover with Bussing with the Boys. And Johnny Manziel admitted to making bank in college. I actually have a clip right here that I'll play for you right now. This guy comes up to behind me. He's like, yo, how would you want to make three grand? I'll turn around. I'm like, fuck yeah, bro. I got yeah. like 65 bucks in my bank account. I'm waiting on that, uh, you know, beginning of the month, January stipend check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I take this guy's number down. We're doing it all sneaky. We don't want to get caught. We're trying to learn from everybody else that's got caught. Yeah. And, uh, you know, may or may not have gone back to uh, this guy's condo and signed probably 10,000 pieces. He, he, he got it out of three, here. He gave me three grand. The fucking horse. Ten thousand items. Fucking three grand. He got. He got three grand for this point, I'm on Instagram trying to find out how to get a table at Live. I'm signing these autographs, and this other guy who's like bringing the bringing the pictures over. He's like, "Yo, you're getting fucking ripped off." Here's this guy's number. Hit him up. He'll give you thirty grand. And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man! I'm gonna make three and then thirty. So this guy pretty much is like, "All right, go to this room at the Fountain Blue." All the stuff will be in there laid out. And when you're done, just send me a picture of all of it. I'll give you the code of the safe. The money will be in there. I got to make a somewhat of a decent living in college. And you know, we went nine and four the next 30, year. 30,000, four we times went, a year. We went, we went nine I'm and four six the figures. next year. So if the NCAA wants to take my fucking nine and four season away and my Chick-fil-A bowl against Duke, fucking blow me. What if the NCAA said, hey, we're taking your we're taking your shit away. You're I, a Heisman. I never took a dollar. Um until after I won the husband. And I think my statute of limitations are up, so you can blow me again. Absolutely love the the swagger Johnny comes in with there. I listened to that entire episode, man. I don't really always listen to Bustin' with the Boys. It is a great podcast. Absolutely love their love the content they put out. I love Ball and Lie. I like Mike. I love Johnny. And I love Taylor Lewan. I love those boys. I like I like everybody on that podcast. I listen to their stuff on a consistent basis, but I don't always listen to everything. But that was interesting to me because I knew that Johnny was making money somehow, right? And we knew he got in trouble for signing an autograph somewhere. But I don't necessarily believe that was where he got in trouble for signing autographs. My man was like making like 120 grand his senior year. I mean, he just – he had guys on the team that had kids. Like Mike Evans at the time had kids. I'm sure that – I'm sure he helped his boys because that's just the kind of guy Johnny was. I just thought that was an interesting conversation. I suggest anybody to go listen to it. I'm just going to plug it now. Busting with the boys episode, the ball don't lie crossover with busting with the boys is awesome. And I just suggest anybody go and listen to it. It was a fun episode. Check out ball don't lie as well. I mean, no free shout outs, but it's also another podcast that I very much have enjoyed listening to as of late. So I would suggest it as well. That's pretty much all I have for today though. You know, I mean, nothing else that I really have to talk about. So I appreciate every single one of you coming on. Well, I do guess tomorrow. Well, yeah, tomorrow is the premiere of Loki for anybody interested. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching that. I'm super excited for it. But other than that, there's not a lot going on. I thought, you know, last week I mentioned that there was possibly going to be a Spider-Man trailer. Uh, yeah, that turned out to be a lie. We all turned to get ripped off and joked. Uh I want to see that Spider-Man show. It's so bad, bro. You don't even know. I am dead tired now. This has been a 50-minute episode, which is a long time. But I appreciate every single one of you to listen, follow along, 
Uh, if you like this episode, if you listen this far, you clearly did. Either that or you're making fun of me the entire time. Either way, share it with somebody you think that might like it. Uh, but I appreciate every single one of y'all. It means a lot to me that you stuck around for this episode. Listen to the whole thing. And that's all I got for you. Peace. Have a good one.